just bow our heads together. Father, Lord, we're so thankful we can sing this with confidence tonight. That no matter in the good times or the bad times, you're still on the throne. No matter whether we're sick or if we're well, you're still on the throne. No matter what we're going through, whether it be the calmness, the sunshine, or the storms of life, you're still on the throne. We're thankful for God that we have confidence, Lord, that a God who can't change his mind, a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, it matters not what this world is doing, what's going on around us, what's, if our boat is rocking and shaking, you're still on the throne. You're still the same God today that can move in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and change a situation where there seems to be no hope, seems to be no way out. But God, you, you're the way maker. You're the miracle worker, Lord. And Lord, even when we can't see you working, you're still working, Father. Lord, we're thankful for that today, Lord, and that confidence that we have in you and your word because you cannot fail. We thank you for that. And we ask now that you bless this service. Lord, as you speak to our hearts and our lives, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Just bring you greetings from Brother Jason Jackson, the church there, Christian Tabernacle. Amen. And just had a wonderful time with them. You can be turning to Hebrews chapter 6 and 13. Amen. It's so good to be with you tonight. Amen. I, I actually was working on something else today and got up this morning thinking I was going to preach something else, but just, uh, I, I don't know, just something began to move in my heart, and so just trust it'll be a blessing to you. I'd like to speak to you on the blessed anchor of the soul. Blessed anchor of the soul. Hebrews 6 and 13, it says, For when God made the promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, or they find something greater than them to swear by. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, amen, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made it high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. We'll let you be seated this evening. I just want to say to those young ladies that sang, I sure appreciated that song, because I believe we do have a firm foundation to stand upon. Amen. And I, I, I just really bless my heart knowing the things that are upon my heart today. But Paul speaking here of these things, reminding the believers where their confidence should lay. 
And I believe that we should also, in this hour that we're living in, ought to be reminded where our confidence should lay. Our confidence should never be in a man. Our confidence should never be in a church or a, even a belief system. Or our confidence should not be in any man of any earthly man. Our confidence should always be in God and His Word. And we have a great confidence because God has a long track record of never being wrong. Amen. And he has, a, he has staked his reputation to this that he will have a people for his name's sake. A people who will be separated unto himself. But, you know, there's some that Paul was speaking about that was followed, has followed his teaching for some time. And, and, the, and the truth that was brought, but they were going back to Judaism. So some Paul thought, maybe some Paul thought had, should have been down the road a lot further. Some no doubt, no one would ever guess that they had ever turned around or, and rejected Christ, even with all the evidence of him being the Messiah. But, you know, I, I want to read this again in the Amplified Version. Version here it says, therefore, let us get, and I'm starting the first verse, it said, let us get past the elementary stage in the teachings about Christ, advancing on to the maturity and the perfection and the spiritual completeness without laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of teaching them about washing or ritual purifications and the laying on hands and the resurrection of dead and the eternal judgment. These are all important matters in which you should have been proficient at long ago. And he said, we will do this, that is, proceed to maturity, if God permits, for it is impossible to restore to repentance those that have been once enlightened spiritually, who have tasted and consciously experienced the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted and consciously experienced the good word of God and the powers of the age, the world to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to bring them back to repentance since they again nail the Son of God on the cross. For as far as they are concerned, they are treating the death of Christ as if they are not saved by it and are holding him up again to public disgrace. It's amazing that people had been enlightened. They had tasted they had seen that the Lord was good. They had felt the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They had tasted the good word of God. But we're now we're falling away and treating the death of Christ as if it would not save them. And making him again a public disgrace. Striking and fighting against the very thing that was sent to save them. You know, I was looking at this and it was also this same word tasted is actually the same Greek word that was used in Matthew 27, 34 regarding Jesus tasting the wine mixed with gall during his crucifixion. And after tasting what had been offered him, he refused to drink it. You know, perhaps the use of this word in this passage from verse 4 to 6, the tasted of the good things, the tasted of the gift of God, all those referred to those who superficially tasted the gospel. And outwardly appearance, they embraced the Christian experience, but inwardly they never committed to a full surrender to Christ. Amen. They had tasted it outwardly, but inwardly they had never committed to a full surrender to Christ. In this case, the act of falling away is simply the public expression of their true position. 
Amen. The falling away is actually the public expression of their true position and their rejection of Jesus as Messiah, regardless of the evidence. And there was plenty of evidence that Jesus was the Messiah. There's plenty of evidence that he fulfilled the scriptures that the prophet spoke of him, of the healing and the deliverances and all the things, even of his death and his resurrection. It was all kinds of evidence. And here we are, years past all of that, and people are beginning to turn and, and, you know, and begin to say it ain't so and begin to, begin to make a public display about it again. Amen. And begin to mock the very thing that was sent to save them. And I believe we're facing the same thing in this hour. There are people that have outwardly, they have expressed the Christianity viewpoints of the message outwardly. They have stood for it outwardly, but this falling away is simply a public expression of what their true position really was because truly they was never anchored beyond the veil. Truly their absolute might have been somebody's stories or somebody else's experience, but they never had that experience for themselves. That, That experience to know Jesus as the Savior to themselves. Amen. And so as we look on down, he says, and beloved, even though we speak to you in this way, we are convinced of better things concerning you. Hallelujah. I'm glad he wasn't talking about me, those that have once tasted but are now falling away. But he's got something better to tell me. Hallelujah. And the things that accompany salvation for God is not unjust to forget your work and love which you've shown in his name and ministering to the needs of the saints, God's people as you do. And we desire for each one of you to show the same diligence all the way through so as to realize and enjoy the full assurance of the hope unto the end so that you will not be spiritually sluggish. That ye will not be spiritually sluggish, but will instead be imitators of those who through faith, amen, not imitators of those that are falling away, but imitators of those who stood in faith. Now we need to be imitators of Abraham. That even though it seemed like it was impossible, he still believed what God said. That God said it, he cannot lie, and he gave him, he said, in blessing, I will bless thee. And multiplying, I will multiply. That's the imitation I want to be. I want to imitate that or I want to be like that. That's who I am. But imitators of those through faith, they lean on God with absolute trust and confidence in him and in his power. And by patient endurance, even when suffering, so in the good times or the bad times, even in suffering, are now inheriting the promise. For when God made the promise to Abraham, he swore an oath by himself since he had no one greater by whom to swear. He couldn't swear upon my, on me being somebody that can hold it. He couldn't find nobody greater. So he swore by himself that I will keep what I said I will do. Hallelujah. Saying, I surely bless you. I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he realized the promise in the miraculous birth of Isaac as a pledge of what God said he would do. Indeed, men swear, verse 16, by an oath, by one greater than themselves, and with them in all disputes, the oath serves as a confirmation and as the end of the dispute. In the same way, God in his desire to show to the heirs of the promise the unchanged 
unchangeable nature of his purpose intervened and guaranteed it with an oath. So he said it and then he backed it up by an oath. Amen. So they, that's the two unchangeable or immutable things. What he said and then he backs it up with an oath and he cannot lie. Amen. And his promise and his oath, which it is impossible for God to lie, who, and to we who have fled to him for a refuge, that we would have a strong encouragement. Hallelujah. A strong encouragement and an indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope that's set before us. And this hope, this confidence assurance we have as an anchor for our soul, it cannot slip. It cannot break down no matter what pressure comes against it. Come on, somebody. This anchor cannot break. It cannot slip. It does not matter what pressure is put against it. And amen. It will be a safe and steadfast, steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, the most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. So we have this hope, this assurance, but that does not mean we're not going to face storms. Amen. Why would a ship have an anchor if it would never face storms? Why would he put a promise in here of an anchor if there was never going to be a storm? If there was never going to be a difficulty, if they, you know, if we was going to receive this message and we was going to go on a flowery bed of ease, we wouldn't need an anchor. But he placed an anchor there for a reason because he knew ahead was deep waters. Ahead was tumultuous waters. Ahead was things that was going to happen that was beyond our control. But he gave us an anchor to hold it during those times. Hallelujah. Why would we have an anchor if we wasn't going to face storms? Why would we have an anchor if we wasn't going to face people falling away from the truth, falling into sin, things that are things that we go through individually? See, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. It's the truth. Amen. If you don't have that anchor, you're going to fall off. It does not matter what church you go to. It does not matter that you believe the message if you don't have this anchor, which is the Holy Ghost. Amen. That ties you to the word of God. And I'm in a steadfast place, a place of safety. Then you will fall off. Amen. We will have storms, but we have an anchor. Hallelujah. Job said, a man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Amen. Full of trouble. The reality is, reality, is that the ship of Zion will face storms. The reality is, you and I are going to face storms of this life. The reality is, this message is going to face storms. Jesus faced storms. Every character in the Bible faced storms. Amen. It doesn't matter if you're made up in your mind that you're going to live for the Lord. Troubles are going to come your way. It doesn't matter if you're made up in your heart that you're going to work for God's kingdom. Troubles are going to become your way. It doesn't matter if you made up your mind you're going to share the message of hope to others. Trouble is going to come your way. Whether you live for God, whether you live for yourself, or whether you live for the devil, you're going to face the storms of life. Most have already here tonight. Some of you in a storm right now. 
Some of you just came out of a storm. Some of you fixing to go into a storm. It's the realities of life. The question tonight is not, are you going to face a storm? The question tonight is, how are you going to face this storm? Hallelujah. Are you going to face it with confidence that what God said he's going to bring to pass? It doesn't matter if 10,000 fall to the rats on the side today and 10,000 tomorrow. That doesn't change God's word. Come on now. Amen. This is an anchor. This is a steadfast. How are you facing the storm that you're going through? But this anchor, defined by Webster, is a device usually of metal attached to a ship or a boat by a big cable, depending on the size of the ship, cast overboard, it hold it, hold it in a particular place by the means of, of, a, of what they call a fluke or something that digs into the bottom. It can also be defined as that which gives stability, safety, and protection in the midst of a storm. An anchor is what we hold on to when nothing makes sense. An anchor is what we hold on to when we don't have the answers. An anchor is what you hold on to when all hell has been leased against you and you see no light in sight. An anchor is what you hold on to when you've been tried and tried, but to no avail. An anchor is what you hold on to when you've done all you can and it seems like everything you've done is not working. You must have an anchor. You must have a tie post. You must have a place that when it gets to rocking, there's something holding you. This one walk away. That one can fall in sin. But your eyes wouldn't own that. There was something else tied to you. Other ships are crashing into the rocks. Others are crashing into the storms and sinking and drowning. But there's something holding you. An anchor must grab solid ground that'll hold during the storms of life. Our anchors... Our, anchor rests, our anchor's resting place is the absolute. It is the word of God. That's where an anchor holds. That's a tie post, the Holy Spirit, amen, connecting you, the individual, to the word of God. Oh, glory to God. Amen, there's nothing stronger than that right there. I love that song. It'll take a stronger wind than this to keep me from my promises. It'll take a stronger wind than this. You say, well, this one's walking away. It'll take a stronger wind than this. There ain't a wind strong enough. Hallelujah. He proved it in Jesus. It held him. That anchor held him when he was uh, tormented, when he's made fun of, and he was mocked, and he was all kind of things against him, all kind of accusations. Amen. Coming against his character and everything. It held him during that time. Amen. You, don't you know that Satan tried to put everything he had against Jesus to try to pull him off the track, to try to crash him somewhere and say, oh, yes, he was just a normal man. But he wasn't just a normal man. He was tied to the word. Amen. He didn't operate outside the word. It was something tying him there. He'd go through storms. It was something tying him there. It was a spirit that came into his life at the river called Jordan. That when he would take that and go be baptized, he would be led by the Spirit up in the wilderness to be tempted and tried, and Satan come against him, come against him, come, but it held. 
It wasn't strong enough. It held. Oh, my. He went down there to be shown. Uh, uh, took the stripes and the crown of thorns and the marker and the spit, and it held. He went to Gethsemane when it held. He went up to the Calvary and it held. He went all the way down into the, into the souls in prison and it held. It held to where it rose him up again. It was an anchor there. It was something that held him in the storms of life. And if you get that same spirit, it'll hold you just like it held him. And when the winds are howling, the waves are crashing, people are leaving. You know, I read today again, it's an acts there of Paul on that ship when he told them, let's don't go that way. Let's don't let loose of the anchor. And they let loose. Begin to sail, and they said the winds were okay. Then all of a sudden, they begin to get up a turmoil to sea, and, and they begin to worry for their lives. In 14 days, they went to rocking and carrying on, and then they was throwing this out and throwing this out and jumping the, and, 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 and he was, went down, and they said they didn't see Paul for a while, and he went down to pray, and, and he come back up and said, men, he said, don't even worry about it. He said, the angel of God has met me on this ship. There's not going to be one hair lost. And they still didn't believe him. And, and, he, and they, the Bible says they actually began to let down a lifeboat. And he said, look, if you get off this ship, you're going to die. But if you stay on this ship, there's not going to be a hair lost. Hallelujah. And so they begin to throw out their anchors and anchor down because they realized as they would, they would make it however they did it in that day. I, mean, I know they probably didn't have radar like we have today, but they begin to realize they're getting closer because the depths of the sea was getting closer and closer to land. So they threw out the anchors and waited till morning. You know what Paul did? Paul didn't get all anxious and worried. Paul said, boys, you got something to eat? I'm a little hungry. And he, he said, we've been fasting and worried and carrying on for, but I got a word from God. We're going to make it. Amen. Thou has prepared for me a table in the presence of my enemies. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a time the bride ought not be worried about what's going home. She ought to be feasting on the manna of God and just saying, don't worry about it, boys. I done seen it. We're going to make it. There's all been a bit of vision given of a bride marching in step onward, Christian. So we're going to make it. Don't get off the ship. Hallelujah. Amen. And it showed that it held to when they when they got, they said that when the boat got up, they just ran that boat right into the water, right into the, they waited for morning, morning came, they saw land, they opened up the wind, the sails, they unhooked the anchors and he let that dude sail right up into the, right up into the land and they just crashed it there. And it was some swam with a plank, some got there, but not one soul was lost. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Let me tell you, God will not lose one of his. He said, no, your names are engraved in the palms of my hand and no one can pluck them out. Amen. You need to tell that devil he ain't got enough power to get you out of the hands of God. Your name is written there. Hallelujah. It's an anchor. This anchor showed that it was snake proof. There's been many that's getting bit by the serpent and they're dying away, falling away. But this anchor held. When Paul got bit, he wasn't worried about it because he already had been seen. He'd been told, you're going to go to Rome. You're going to go somewhere. He already been told he was going to go there. This snake didn't bother him. 
Oh, hallelujah. I want you to understand this Holy Ghost is an inoculation that'll make you snake proof. You'll be snake proof from the snake bites of the world and the things of darkness that wants to come around and haunt at you. You get the Holy Ghost. You're proof. You're fireproof. You're snake proof. You're devil proof. I mean, I won't be the devil won't come against you, but he can't get to you. Hallelujah. Winds are howling. Waves are crashing. People are leaving the ship. Some are dying, sinking, but the anchor holds. He's still with us. He's still on the throne. He's still with us. Our anchor is found in the presence of the Lord beyond the veil. What an encouragement it is to know that you'll never face a moment of life on your own. Woo, man, let's just eat on that one a little bit. You are, we are not facing one moment. We're not at the end of 2019 and we're by ourselves. And we're fighting alone and we're, no, no. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But I'll be with you, even in you. That anchor will be there to the end of the world. Don't worry, this ship's going to make it. That means every step, he's with us. Every valley, he's with us. Every mountain, every crossroad, every turn, every curve, every storm will be graced by the presence of Almighty God. That's enough to make anybody want to shout. To know that you can't go any Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, any month, any year, any day without being graced by the presence of Almighty God. You may have to walk through the storms of life, but you can rest assured you won't have to walk alone. The presence of the Lord will be your anchor. It'll be, oh, it'd be nice if we could see God in the midst of our storms as Paul did. But even when we can't see him, he's still there. Even when we can't see him, he's still watching us. Even when you can't see him, he's still leading you. Even when you can't see him, he's still guiding you. Even when you can't see him, he's still protecting you. The psalmist said he knows when I sit down and he knows when I rise up. He's acquainted with all of my ways. You may think you're walking through the life trials by yourself. You may think that no one else cares for you, but you have an anchor and it's found in the presence of Almighty God. It is an anchor that you can hold on to when the winds blow and you feel like you can't continue on. It is an anchor you can hold on to when the waves get too much to handle. Is somebody with me tonight? It's an anchor. Listen, this has been orchestrated by Almighty God. It's an anchor that you can hold on to when the enemy's got you pinned against the wall and says there's no way out. You still got an anchor. It is an anchor you can hold on to when your life seems to be falling apart. And no matter what you do, it don't get any better. Friend, there's something about the presence of God. It'll anchor you in the darkest trials of your life. In that presence, fear is arrested. In that presence, uncertainty disappears. In that presence, chaos is turned to peace. Oh, glory to God. It's an absolute wonderful message. Brother Brandon would preach here in Shreveport, Louisiana. An absolute. In the, he says, in the day we're living in now, and I want to fast forward this now to the day we're living in now. Because it's like prophecy. It is prophecy. 
He said, everything seems to be breaking up so fragile and carried away. He said, I think that this message would be a very appropriate thing, especially to Christians when they're going through their deep waters now. The Christian church is passing through the deep, deepest waters it's had in the last 2,000 years. Because we're coming to a spot where there is something presented to Christianity, something they'll have to make a decision on. He said, I think that the Christian church ought to have something that they know they're tied to instead of just floating around like a leaf on the water. It's time to quit floating. Float to this Wednesday and float over there to a month later and come back and float over here. It's time to quit floating. Float on this and float on that, and people you they're floating on their on their dress and they're floating. It's time to get an anchor. This anchor clean out your closets. This anchor clean out your conduct. This anchor clean you completely out because it won't be no more your ideas or what you think is right or wrong. It'll be the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. That's the anchor the church needs, and you want to make it through these waters. You better get the anchor. If you don't make it through these tumultuous times, you better get a hold of Christ and not let him go. And say, Lord, I'm not going to let you go till you change me. It'll get rid of your self-righteous spirit. And I got enough and I'm okay. And you listen, you'll get done with I'm okay. I want more of God. I want more of him. I, I got to have a renewing. I got to have a refilling. I got to have Jesus more than anything. I want to make sure Jesus is on my boat. An anchor. We're passing through the deepest waters. It's in the deep waters that makes the biggest waves. I've been in some big waves in some deep water right off of Washington. That's Brother James Lay. He's with me or I was with him. It wasn't no fun deal. It's serious. This this is not a joke. This is serious. It's time to make your call on election sure. See, when the, he said, with a little leaf upon the water, they're carried away by every little wind of doctrine. Every little wind blows through. This one, did you hear about so-and-so? He fell, and they get carried off. Did you hear about this one? He walked away. They get carried off. Why? There's no anchor. You'll never get anywhere if you're not stable. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Amen. The Christian life should be a stable life. This is a direct quote. Hello, somebody. It ought not be with your... God help us. Why is it that we got to get up and make a decision on Sunday morning to go to church or not? Just get up and go to church. It ought to be our stability. It ought to be something in it that's drawing us. It ought not be a question. Understand when you get sick and things like that. I understand those things. But there's people that get up on Sunday morning and decide, well, it rained today. I ain't going or some silly. Listen, we need to have stability in our life. And he said a Christian life is a stable life. It should be something that, that, that's a principle that you're tied to. It's more than life itself. You must have something you tie, you're tied to. Some people are tied to their business. Yep. Some are tied to their families. Yep. 
Oh, boy, we go a long ways with that right there. Some are tied to a creed. Some are tied to an army post. We have different things we're tied to, but I think as a Christian, we ought to be tied to where we know is right. Because you might be tied to your family and your wife could leave you. You might be tied to an army and you might get killed. You might be get tied to all kinds of things and it's got an end. But there is, there has got to be a final tie post. There's got to be someone, somewhere that a man has got to tie himself for his eternal destination. Because if you're going to trust in your work, when your work is finished, it's done. When your family is taken, it's over. There's no, they're not an absolute. There's only one thing that I can think of for a tie, final tie post. Listen to this. I believe that Paul had the tie post in his life. I think, I think the side to side, if we call it the way speak on that tie post, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, Christ was Paul's absolute. And I believe that ought to be our absolute. I believe that should be every Christian's absolute is Christ. Christ was Paul's absolute. It was his tie post. It was the end of all arguments. It was Christ. That was his tie post. Paul didn't always have that tie post. One day he was tied to a group of Pharisees and they had trained him and educated him and they would accept him, let him tie himself to their post. But one day on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus face to face. And from there, he cut loose from his Pharisaic tie post and he retied himself to, again to Jesus who was not, who he know was crucified, died and rose again. Paul knew it because he had met the person. Amen, and that changed him right there. He was never the same from then on. He never just met a book. He never just met a creed. He met the person, Jesus Christ, and he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. All those prophets, and listen to this, all those prophets were men just like we are. The Bible said, St. James 5, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He had his ups and downs, his in and his outs, and he prayed earnestly it might not rain. Paul was the same kind of man like we are. He had his frustration. He had his doubt. He was an honest man. He was going to the finest sect of religions that there was in the world. He was becoming a teacher of the sect, taught under the great teacher Gamaliel, which is the most, one of the most greatest teachers they had of the day. His parents seemed to it, and they, they was working for Paul to have a good education, to be taught in all the laws of God, and he believed every word of it with sincerity, and he had heard about a little lower class of people somewhere that was 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 talking about a prophet so-called made, made himself God that raised up in Galilee supposed to perform miracles and heal the sick but it is a sect that he belonged to wouldn't accept a man uh, that this Jesus of Nazareth because he had not identified himself with them so Paul couldn't do it because his own sect didn't believe it and uh, Paul being honest thought if this thing is not of God and my church says it's not of God there's one thing to do get it out of the way it's a hindrance it would be a growth a malignancy against this sect of believing so he purposely in his heart, he would go out and he would cut it off, as he called it, the church called it, and the fine Pharisee group. But one day, with letters in his pocket from the high priest to arrest all those people that were in that condition, he went down to Damascus, and there he stood there in the same place where they'd stoned uh, Stephen, and they stoned, give witness, held his co- 
road. And he was going down there to get rid of this hindrance. And somewhere around 11, 12 o'clock, he was stricken down by a blinding light saying, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul recognized that was the Lord. And he said, Lord, who are you if I'm persecuting you? And he said, I'm Jesus. Is it hard for you to kick against the pricks? And there he was commanded to raise up. And a man named Ananias saw a vision, baptized him. And now Paul, the rest of his life was not tied to a sect, was not tied to a creed. He was tied to Christ. An absolute. Oh, what an absolute. That was the end of all arguments, all strife. Everything was gone. I don't care what the Pharisees said, what the Sadducees said, what anybody else said. He had met God for himself. Because he's seen God manifest and he had seen him in the light. He had seen an audible voice. He had had an experience for himself and he was tied to it. There was something real, something that nobody or nothing could take away. Listen, if your belief system is just a good idea, somebody will talk you out of it. Or, you, you know, if, if, if you're just kind of going along, just like as a leaf, You'll be talked over here, then you'll be talked over there, and you'll be talked over here, and you go over here and back over here, just constantly waffling and going back and forth. But once that anchor comes, that experience, there ain't no more going back. You can't go back. That's <laughs> why I love that song. It says, I won't go back. I can't go back. One thing, I don't want to go back, but two, I can't go back. I'm tied. <laughs> the devil says, you're going to fall. I can't. I'm tied. The devil says, you're going to quit and walk away. I can't. I'm tied. <laughs> devil says, you're going to drown. You're going to, you're going to just, you're just going, you're going to end up in a wreck. I can't. I'm tied. Amen. Not tied to some man-made creed or some man-made dogma. Not cried, not tied to some man's intellectual abilities. Listen, I'm not tied to William Branham. I'm tied to Jesus Christ. Understand William Branham had mistakes. He was a man. Let him be a man. As he said here, he was like us, a man of like passions. But what I'm tied to is not what a man said. I'm tied to thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. He was tied to it. There was something real, something nobody can take away. (laughs) In other words, where this anchor is tied is two places. It's in your soul and it's tied into the inner veil, into the presence of God. Once that's tied, there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. Because he can't get in here and he can't get in there. (laughs) Amen. He can't untie it. He can't break it. It's made with something that's unbreakable, unchangeable, unstoppable. Oh, glory to God. If we're trusting in an education to explain the Bible and we only got a mental concept, we're not tied right. 
No man, but he, you know, he says no man has a right behind this pulpit to preach the gospel until he come face to face with God like Moses on the backside of the desert. No matter how well he was educated, no matter what took place, his fear, frustration left because he came face to face with Almighty God and nobody could take it away from him. If I can make that, if I can come up with this saying, I've said it a few times, it's a wonderful. It said, no man with an experience is at the mercy of someone with just an argument. Right. 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 <laughs> oh, I think we ought to say a lot louder amen than that. Yeah. How many's had an experience with what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Then you're not at the mercies of those that just has arguments. Right. Nobody could out-argue Paul when it came to talking about his testimony. Nobody knows what you've been through. Nobody was there. But you was there. Paul was there. There wasn't a sect. There wasn't an education. There wasn't nothing that could tell him he didn't see a light. That could tell him he didn't hear a voice. That could tell him that his life wasn't changed. You cannot argue with somebody's personal testimony because it's their experience. I wonder how many this evening can say, I've had an experience with that same light, that same pillar of fire. It's more than just a story. It's more than just a picture. It's a reality. And it's a tie post. That no matter what storms may come, no matter how many walk away, no matter how many preachers fall in sin, it don't matter. Because I am not depending on their experience. I am depending on what God did for me. Mm. Every man or woman that has an experience with God has met this same pillar of fire. Oh, glory to God. Upon the sacred grounds of your heart. And then there's no theologian. There's no devil. There's nothing. Nothing present. Nothing future. No death. No sickness. No sorrow can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. It is a tie post. You know something happened. Glory to God. No matter how much science raises up and say this is that or that's another, you are tied. You and God became one. He's in you and you're in him. At that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father and the Father in me and I in you and you in me. You are tied to him. Jesus, not a man. Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. The one who died and suffered and and went down into a grave and rose again. That's who you're tied to. That's the power I'm talking about. It doesn't, it don't make any difference what others want to believe. To the individual, you're tied to that. This says right here, Brother Branham pats his Bible, this. He didn't say this. He said this. You're tied to this. This is your ultimate. This is the last word. Oh, hallelujah. The devil says you're sick, but the last word says you're healed. The devil says you're bound, but the last word says you're delivered. The devil says you're depressed, but the last word says the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
The devil makes all kind of proclamations, but come on, devil, you don't have the last word in this thing. Hallelujah. The devil may be out there breathing out all kind of threatening and say, ha, ha, I got this one. Ha, I got this. You don't have the last say. The last say is coming from this word. And this word says, and in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, these bodies will be changed to be like his most glorious body. You're talking about a drop the mic, walk out of the building when this bride lifts off of this earth. What's some critics going to do then? It don't make no difference, any difference what others want to believe. To the individual, you're tied to this. This is the last word. Then if he is the word, then this must be the last word. This must settle it. Whatever that says, that's the scarlet thread. That is Christ. Anything contrary to that, I know nothing about it. That's what I want to know is what the word says. Did you, get, did you catch that? In other words... He says, anything that's contrary to that, I'm not even going to listen to it. I'm tied to Christ, and Christ is the Word. And the portion of His Word that's lauded for this day, His Holy Spirit is here to manifest that portion of the Word. Hallelujah. The real born-again people of this age is filled with the Holy Ghost, is the typos of the Scripture that's got to be fulfilled in these last days. They are the ultimate. It's God's ultimate because it's his word and the word is Christ, the top post. There's no way to get from it. Something is holding you. It makes you do things you, don't, wouldn't ordinarily, wouldn't, you ordinarily wouldn't do. It made Paul do things he ordinarily wouldn't do. It made Moses do things ordinarily he wouldn't do. He lived out there 40 years and never went to Egypt again. But he met that pillar of fire and he was headed. Right. Hey man, it's something in you. It's a center post. It's something. It's a stabilizer. Stabilizer is on the ship. It's the anchor to the ship. The ship is tied to the anchor in the time of a storm. And if Christ is your absolute, you're tied to him in the time of trouble. The ship, if you let it rock, it'll break against the rocks. But what do they do? They drop this anchor down. And that anchor drags until it snags into the rock foundation, the solid word. And the ship is tied to the anchor. It's absolute for the ship. And a born-again Christian is tied to Christ. And the Bible is the anchor. It's the thing we're tied to. Let the organizations, let the different things, let science, let educators say anything they want. As long as that word says it and promises, we're tied to it. There's something won't let us move from it. That's right. A real born Christian, they stay with that word. If it says do a certain thing, the way to do it, that's the way it must be done. No matter what anybody else says, it's what God says. We're tied to that. It's a Christ-centered life. Amen. Christ is our absolute. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that's what a man lives by. He's your absolute in your life. It's going down. Paul would say it like this. When all of these things would happen, he said, none of these things move me. He said, I am determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm not bothered about these other things. 
whether it be a pope, bishop, general overseer, counselor, system, whatever it is, none of these things move me. I don't care if they say whatever. It don't matter. That don't make a bit of difference. I'm determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ. His word made manifest among us. I'm tied to that. Amen. He said, oh my, how he straightened me out. What a straightened he had to do on me. But since he straightened me out, Brother Branham speaking about his old testimony, he said, I got tied to it. I seen the word was the truth. Everything contrary to it was wrong. Oh, you know what? He had a purpose in saving me. He had a purpose in saving you. And I am determined by his will to do his will. The reason he done it, I don't know why he done it, but I am determined to do it because he said so. You know, there are millions in sin when I got saved. He had a purpose in saving me. I'm the oddball amongst the brethren many times. I believe in predestination, seed of the serpent, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and all these other things, that's, and the visions, and the power of Christ returned back, and the con- condemning of organizations and things. I'm the oddball. But he had a reason to save me and a purpose for doing it. And he saved me when there was millions of others to save he saved me for some reason. There are educated men. There were smarter men. There were theologians. There were bishops, doctors, and so forth in the field when he saved me. But he saved me for some reason. And I see the word as the absolute. And I'm tied to it. And I'm determined I'll know nothing else but Jesus Christ. I won't know anybody else's doubts. I won't worry about what they say. I won't worry about where they go. I'm not worried about that. Those who once tasted it and they turn it away, it's their own fault. No matter what anybody else would say, but I know I'm tied to it. He wanted me like this. He had me like this. I was made like that for a purpose. I had to be made up with all these qualities and so forth and all these no accounts so he could dig it out of me and put something else in there that was the word And I'm determined I'll know nothing else but Christ. I wonder how many else would have that same determination. Amen. Amen. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We find out. Amen. As he brought, he brought us justification, sanctification, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because we have raised from death and alive, and now we're sons and daughters of God, sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, justified us by his resurrection, given us justification with the earnest of our salvation. Amen. The Holy Ghost, the very life of Christ pulsating in us. How then could we deny the word? How could then could we walk away? We can't. The Holy Spirit is that justifies that point, the believer. And he said, the Holy Ghost will always point to the Word. If it points to a creed or points to denomination, it's not the Holy Ghost. He couldn't do that. Point away from his Word when he confirmed the Word and made his Word positive and now point away from it? Oh, no. Oh, my. That Holy Spirit, he goes on, is the dynamics of the mechanics 
the mechanics of the church, what is it, the apostles, prophets, teachers, so forth. He is the dynamics that makes it all work. And it worked by a certain dynamic when it was called. He, he is the fire that fires off the gas. He is the fire that's a combustion chamber. That's what gas, the word, is poured over that combustion chamber. He's the one that sets her on fire. He is the one that confirms it. He is the power of the resurrection. He is God. He is fire. And he has come now to light us. Maybe I'll minister this at a later date. I was actually looking on a thought on born of the fire. And actually, we just was up in Branson this past weekend with Brother Jason taking a few days with our wives. We went and watched an IMAX on the, all the National Forest. Very interesting film of the history of the National Forest, how they was put into place and all those things. And it, something really struck me. Those 2,000-year-old trees, known to live of 2,000, even some beyond. Uh, sequoias, I think they call them. Big, giant trees. It said, it said there in that film, it said, you know, it said, all of a sudden it showed fire sweeping through. And it said, you know, people don't like fire. He said, well, what we, what we have come to find out, that these trees can only, they can only be born by fire. So there's a seed there. When that, that seed of that tree goes down into the ground, there's a, a crustiness over it that can only be released when fire burns it. I'm looking at a people that's not been born of a creed. Born of some man's idea. Born of some tradition or born of some, I just go to church or I just do this, just what I, no. There was a fire of God that fell down. Just like it did Paul. And there was an old wax, crusty cut nature on you that was there, was trying to hold that life, that seed in. But the temperature got right. The atmosphere got created. And the winds began to blow and the fire of God began to burn across. And it melted that crustiness that life could come forth. I'm looking at a people that are born, not of some man's idea. If this was all a man's idea, we might all, might all just fold up the doors and go home. But this is not the man's, a man's idea. This is not the declaration. I am not here by the declaration of a man. I'm here by the declaration of the fire of God that lit my fuse, that lit my heart, and I'm going to press with everything that I got toward the mark of the high calling. Is there anybody else on the ship? If it's been born of the same fire of God, you know the testimony in your life. Brother L, you know what you was. We've talked about it. Others in this church, you know what you was. But all of a sudden, some begin to no wonder why these trained theologians, what are they doing? Trying to put out the fires. Not knowing they're killing the very life of the forest. The very life of the evergreen that was raised 2,000 years ago and has come down through seven church ages is now coming to life again. How? By the fire of God. Therefore, I'm not standing here by an absolute of man's decree. I'm not here because somebody said I should. I'm here because God said I could. Hallelujah. And I will remain. Those that are alive and remain. How many remainers we got here tonight? I'm going to be.
be here when that ship crashes into the shore. Amen. When she breaks through that veil of death and she goes to the other side, I'm going to be shouting on the hills of glory. Oh, glory to God in the highest. Do we have any born of the fire? This is us. The post holds. The fire works. It holds within the veil. It's anchored. It's anchored with God yonder. And it's anchored in my heart. The Holy Spirit is what stirs me to the promise. I am. I will be. I was. I'm somebody will be. I am. Not I will be or I was. Someday I will be. I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth on me. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never. As Brother Ron would say, never. Never die. He's my absolute. He's my all. Anything outside of that, nothing in my arms I bring. I know nothing else. Besides Christ and him crucified. I don't want to hear nothing else but Christ. And him crucified and rose again. My heart says amen to every one of his promises. That's why I know his Holy Spirit is a compass. And it will guide me to the other shore. I'm not getting off the ship. No sir, there ain't enough devils in hell to run me off. I can't get off. I'm tied to it. I can't jump overboard. I'm tied to it. We can see when troubles arise, infidels arise, all around me begins to give way. Our anchor holds within the veil. Where's it at? It's beyond the veil, anchored into the rock of ages. Our anchor is steadfast and unmovable, and it'll hold within the veil. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Sure and steadfast. An assurance. What assurance? God swore that he would do what he said he would do. You know, Brother Branham tells about a man one time trying to sell him some insurance. He said, insurance is all right. He said, I, I, said, I, I don't have any myself. He said, I guess I went to the extremes with it. But he said, company beat my poor old dad out of a lot because he was too illiterate to read the policy and, and couldn't, read, he couldn't read straight. And so he sold him his policy and paid for it for my brother and I for 20 years. And come, come to, said it'd be worth $500 at the end of time and through the depression things. At the end, they told us they'd read the wrong policy and it was worth $7.50. I think you know about one of them kind of policies with grandmother. So it's kind of bitter me. He said, there might be insurance agents sitting right here. Many times people come and say, Billy, I want to sell you some insurance. And he says, that's all right, I guess. He said, but look, I have insurance. What kind of insurance do you have? What policy do you hold? Eternal life insurance. He said, eternal life? He said, yes, sir. Who sells them policies? The Lord Jesus Christ. He said, do you have insurance? He said, yes, sir. What kind? It's blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. He put me, he, they put his arms around me, boyhood chum. He said, Billy, that'll not put you in the graveyard up here. He said, I know, but it'll get me out. 
He said, I'm not worried about getting in there. I'm worried about what's going to take me out. I can think of my insurance policy when I was sick and it, it did me no good, but my insurance of Jesus is an anchor. It's steadfast. It's assurance that God swore by him, Swiss hell. He would keep every word. Can somebody say every word? Every word he promised. When the Mayo said there's not a hope for you, when doctor says there ain't no hope for you, when the devil says you're finished, he'll keep his word. When it says it ain't possible, he'll keep his word. When when he told Abraham, it ain't possible you'll have a child, he will keep his word. Hallelujah. Sister Esther, he'll keep his word. Little bride, he'll keep his word. He ain't come down here to the end of it. Ain't gonna stop, start dropping off. No, he's gonna hold fast all the way to the end with everything that God is not gonna give up. He's not weakening in strength. He's stronger than he's ever been or ever was. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This God has not given up. This God has not forsaken us. This God has not turning his eye on us. He's still on the throne. He's still in our midst. He's still performing miracles. He's still healing the sick. He's still raising the dead. He's still doing the work. Come on, somebody. He's still doing the works that he promised he would do. He's still bringing our lost loved ones home. Even when I can't see him working, he's still working. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. And I ain't give up on God, and God ain't give up on me. He will perform exactly what he said he would do. Hallelujah. Have you been in the fire? Have you been there where God has visited you personally for himself? Stand together. There's an anchor. And this anchor holds. The reason I know this old time God heartfelt salvation will hold, the reputation of Christ is on it. He will not give us something to build a church out of, not not a man-made theology, not some school experience, not build some seminary. He wanted to this morning, as he wanted to this morning, to educate preachers. The real preacher comes from the seminary of God's grace and God's calling. It's time tested. That's right. It'll hold. God's got confidence in you. You know, we always say God's got confidence. I got confidence in God. God's got confidence in you because he knows what's in you. (laughs) And we got confidence in him. As the poet said, my anchor holds within the veil, and every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. We don't know what's holding, something's holding. She's anchored yonder in heaven. There's a rope of salvation that holds a human heart that a man that's ever been born again passed from death into life. All the devils in hell couldn't make him doubt it. There's something holds in there. Let her rock. Let her shake. This ship will hold every time. Because it's in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. When the waters jump and they blast, it doesn't make any difference. Death, perils, anything, it won't separate us. My anchor holds within the veil. Let the floods rise. Let it dash. Let infidels come. The born again believer has an anchor. You can't see through this veil yet. 
But you know, right beyond there is where you're tied to. He says here, he said, you, you talk about a thankful people. We ought to be the most thankful people of everybody in the world. Besides the healing, besides the things that takes place, what is it? It's the absolute assurance that the same God, by the same nature, by the same pillar of fire, the same angel of God, the same Jesus, yesterday, today, and forever, is doing the same things by the same power through the same name. What an anchor of the soul, steadfast and sure. Where's your anchor at tonight? Real faith rests in the solid rock of God's Word. Put it there. Well, what about that? No, I don't want to know nothing but Jesus Christ. Go ahead, Brother Andrew. I have journeyed through the long dark night out on the open sea by faith alone Eyes were watching me. 